If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 6. In the Pew Bible, it will be page 916. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 45, but before I do, I'd like to set the scene for you. It's the spring of the year, as we get to Mark chapter 6, verse 45. In about another 10 months, Jesus is going to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. So Jesus has been a little over two years into his ministry here on the earth. King Herod has just beheaded John the Baptist. And Jesus has just miraculously fed 5,000 men plus women and children with only five loaves and two fishes. And when he was done feeding that whole crowd, he had 12 baskets left over of bread fragments and fish. And immediately following that miracle, Jesus sends his disciples away and dismisses the crowd. And I kind of wondered why that, why would he do that? But the answer, I think, is found in the Gospel of John. As John narrates this incident in his Gospel, I think it gives us the answer. After the crowd was fed, there was a move to take Jesus and to make him king. They wanted to make him king. But this was the last thing that Jesus desired. And he did not want his disciples infected and caught up in this nationalistic movement. The people were thinking purely in natural terms. They wanted deliverance from Roman brutality and Roman control. But Jesus had a much greater agenda on his plate and a much greater agenda on mind. And so that's where we're at as we start in verse 45 of Mark chapter 6. And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethaedus, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, or about 3 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the sea, and he was about to pass them by when they saw him walking on the sea. And they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then Jesus went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about storms. Not the ones of nature, but the ones that seem to invade our lives. You know, storms, those circumstances, those incidences in our life that out of our normal routine that, that cause stress and anxiety. Storms can be as simple as a split in your fingernail that gets caught on everything or a financial loss. 
A disease for which a doctor says there is no cure or the loss of a loved one. Some storms last for only a short time, while others seem to be never-ending. And you never know the effect a storm will have until its fury is passed and the, the damage has been assessed. And everyone seems to have their own unique way to deal with the storms of life. I've seen some people who have lost everything and have been very quiet and, and calm and just looked at the loss and said, well, we'll get it. I've seen others who have had minimal or, uh, damage just mentally and emotionally go to pieces. I've seen others run around and try to tell everybody about, about their loss. And, so, and storms, so everyone handles a storm in their own unique way. And, and storms are very interesting. Sometimes they come without warning. They come suddenly. Other times they announce they're coming. For storms in the natural, many times the wind will start to blow and we'll begin to see the clouds billow up and we'll begin to see the lightning and hear the thunder way off. And for personal storms that assail us, we can sometimes see them coming by the events that surround us and are taking place around us. With these we can try to prepare. Storms are very indiscriminate. They invade the lives of children, teens, both young and old adults. And they care not the color of your skin, your family name, your educational level, or what is in your bank account. All are equal to its fury and its destruction. Oftentimes we cause the storms in our life. And then there are other times when they are thrust upon us through no fault of our own. But in each case, we are thrust upon by its fury and the stress and anxiety that the storm brings. I want to share with you very briefly this morning four biblical principles that I believe will, will help you in dealing with the storms that we face in life. And the first principle I want to deal with is Jesus didn't cause the storm. Oftentimes when we are embroiled in the storms of life, we try to console ourselves by blaming God. We say things like, well, God's trying to teach me a lesson. And yet nothing could be farther from the truth. The Apostle Paul in his second letter to Timothy had this to say, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching for showing people what is wrong in their lives, for correcting faults, and for teaching how to live right. Using the scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable, having all that is needed to do every good work. God uses the scriptures and His Holy Spirit to teach us and to lead and, and guide us in our life not destructive forces, not mutilating, debilitating experiences. Listen, God is not that kind of God. John 10.10, 10, in quoting the words of Jesus, 
says this, Jesus said this, the thief, Satan, the devil, the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal and slaughter and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Church, listen, as Christians, we need to teach ourselves to remember that when something destructive comes in our life, it's not from God. As a matter of fact, James said this, whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God, the creator of all light, and He shines forever without change or shadow. God doesn't change. He doesn't have a bad hair day. He doesn't love on you and bless you one day and turn around and and be destructive in your life the next. The rule is simple. Good is from God. Bad is from the devil or other people. I've had some other people in trying to console themselves will say to me, well, God has put this on me to tempt me. So he'll know how I'm going to respond to temptation. That's that's foolishness. God is omnipotent. He knows everything. And because He knows everything, why would He have to test you to figure out how you're going to respond? He already knows. He already knows. James says it this way. Remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Jesus didn't bring the storm on the disciples and neither He nor God brings the storms in your life. But if you'll allow Him, He will use the storm to strengthen our faith in Him. Our faith, strengthen our faith in His love for us and and in our understanding of His goodness and His desire for us. Jeremiah, there's a scripture in Jeremiah I'm going to give you in just a second. But it's a scripture that a lot of people, Christians, have trouble believing. And, and, and I don't understand it because I even do this in my own life sometimes. There are some scriptures that we read in the Bible that we just latch on to. Oh yeah, you know, Jesus is risen. Oh, we believe that right away. Yep, boy, we're going to go to church and celebrate He is risen. But then there are other scriptures when it talks about God's goodness to us or His love for us, that we have trouble believing. We just kind of go, nah. Jeremiah 29.11 is one of those scriptures. Jeremiah speaking by the moving of the Holy Spirit said, God spoke to him and said, I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Church, 
Neither Jesus nor God causes the storms in our life. I can say that unequivocally, I can tell you. God does not bring the storms in our life. Yes, bad things happen to good people. But that's a, that's a teaching for another time. God does not bring the storms in our life. Which brings me to our second principle. Jesus sees you in the storm. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read two verses. Verse 47. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and Jesus was alone on land. And Jesus saw them, the disciples, straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now, I don't know if Jesus seeing the disciples was a physical seeing. The sea was only about five miles, four miles across, and they were probably only halfway there. Or whether it was a revelation by the Holy Spirit giving Jesus a vision of the disciples in the boat. But the Bible tells us that Jesus saw them straining at the rowing, for the wind was against them. They were stuck in the storm. Church, no matter how severe, we need to recognize that while we may might, might be stressed and overwhelmed by the struggle, we are never, never out of God's vision or interest. He sees you and He cares. He knows. The psalmist David put it so well in Psalms 139. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. <laughs> One time there was a young man that was sitting on the second pew and his, he was giving his mother a hard time and she put picked him up, put her in her arm, and started down the center aisle. And he, looking over his mother's shoulder, said, Pray, saints, pray. <laughs> Back on track. Listen, you're never out of God's vision or interest. Listen to what the psalmist David said. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Listen, this verse is very significant. Whatever storm you might be embroiled in today, no matter how severe, no matter how stressed or overwhelmed you may be, you are not out of God's vision or interest. He sees you and He cares. Whatever you're going through, God knows. And He notices you. And that brings me to the third principle. Jesus will join you to help you in the storm. Let me go back and read in Mark chapter 6, 
Verse 48, I'm going to pick it up, just three verses. Then Jesus saw the disciples straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea, and he was about to pass them by when they saw him walking on the sea, when they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And then Jesus went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Listen, when you're stuck in the storm, the solution is the presence of the Lord. The disciples find that out. Verse 51 says, Then Jesus went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. It is the presence of the Lord that brings peace to our situation and to our souls as we rest in the knowledge that the presence of the Lord is here and He has a plan. But so often times we need to come to the end of our human resources before we turn to God. It seems as long as we have a shred of our own our own strength, of our own confidence upon which to rely, we hang on to that shred and hold off God. I love Jesus' word in verse 50 to the disciples. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know, as I was thinking about this, the Jews have a greeting that they say to each other. It's a Hebrew word for peace. And the word is shalom. And as a greeting, shalom means peace and safety and tranquility. And yet inherent in the meaning of the word shalom is completeness, wholeness, health, prosperity, fullness, rest, and harmony. That's what the presence of the Lord brings. Shalom. When St. Augustine was writing about this incident in Mark, he said, and I quote, Jesus came treading the waves, and so he puts all the swelling tumults of life under his feet. Christians, why afraid? I love what Mark, what commentator William Barclay had to say about Christ's presence in our storm. And I quote, It is the simple fact of life, a fact which has been proven by countless thousands of men and women in every generation. But when Christ is there, the storm becomes calm, the tumult becomes peace. 
What cannot be done is done. The unbearable becomes bearable. And men past the breaking point do not break. To walk with Christ will be for us also the conquest of the storm. End quote. Whatever you're going through, whatever storm has invaded your life, please know that if you through an open heart will invite him, Jesus will join you to help you in the storm. And finally, the last principle. There does come an end to the storm. The storm will end. Many years ago, there was a country and western song that was made famous by a fellow named Waylon Jennings and his then wife, Jessie Coulter. And it was entitled Storms Never Last, which is kind of ironic because they had a very tumultuous and embattled marriage. But the chorus went something like this. Storms never last, do they, baby? Bad times all pass with the wind. Your hand in mine steals the thunder. You make the sun want to shine. That's pretty good stuff. We're talking about the Lord's hand. The psalmist put it this way. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The financial struggle may be real. The physical ordeal doesn't seem to go away. Circumstances are opposing and antagonistic and hostile. And whether the storm was just thrown at you or it seems like hell is coming down the road at high speed right towards you. Listen, church, your boat is not going to sink. The Lord has for, hasn't forgotten you. And the storm will end. Isaiah said it so well. He said, your sun will never sink. Well, your sun will never set. Your moon will not go down. For the Lord will be your everlasting life and your days of mourning will come to an end. Today the Lord invites you to allow his entrance into your storm, whatever it may be, so that he can show you the way the way of his presence, his love, his power, and bring you shalom. Let's pray. Lord, how wonderful is your word. How wonderful are you. Not only do you not bring the storms of life, but Lord, in the midst of our storm, even when maybe you aren't on our mind, you see us and you care. And then, Lord, if we'll let you, you'll join us in the storm to help us 
You've already got a plan. It didn't take you by surprise. You're not there scratching your head saying, gee, I didn't know this was going to happen. But you've already got the answer. Maybe this morning, Lord, we're hanging on to that last shred of our own confidence, our own strength. Well, I've, I've been, I can handle this. Lord, let us this morning just set that aside. I'm sure there are some here in the sound of my voice and who will be listening to the podcast. Storms have embroiled them and they're hurting. Lord, let them just set aside their own strength, their own confidence in their own abilities and let them, if they'll just open their heart and say, Lord, come. You'll join them in the storm and you've already got a plan. And I thank you. I thank you for the wind that ceases, for the storm that abates, and for the plan that brings us out the victor. In Jesus' name, amen.